Well, the ridiculous impeachment, the second impeachment against Donald Trump, first time in history, a president has been attempted to be impeached twice by Congress is now over. And the second impeachment, of course, was more ridiculous than the first one. One, because it was based on the most threadbare of evidence, and two, as we've stated many times on this program, impeachment is a process whereby a sitting president is removed. It cannot be used against a president who has already left office, since it is not a criminal proceeding and cannot render a judgment beyond that which would require him to be removed from office. It's a procedure without a purpose. But now it's come to a very unceremonious end. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. And you can do that in one of three ways. You can either go to the iTunes App Store or the Google Podcast Store, depending which device you use, and simply search for the NPO Podcast. Failing that, you can go to either of those two stores and simply down the free Podbean app. Podbean.com is our hosting service. Any way you subscribe, you'll always be notified whenever a new episode is posted. You can leave reviews, uh, make comments, and we please ask that you do leave reviews and rate the show. The higher the show is rated, the more frequently it is rated, the more readily it will be discovered by people searching for new commentary in either of those two major app stores. If there's something you'd like to cover, a question you have for me, or a speaking engagement you're interested in, and covering one of the many topics that we do here, uh, or our upcoming lecture on the necessity of the Electoral College and why we must fight tooth and nail to retain it, simply shoot me an email at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. So the insane impeachment is now over. And we've learned nothing other than that which we already knew, that the House Democrats are obsessed, Democratic Party's obsessed, they lied, they falsified evidence, uh, they made a, legit, a, a Twitter account that was illegitimate, appear to be illegitimate, they changed dates on tweets, they did everything they could and made up evidence in an attempt to remove President Trump. They even got a number of Republican senators to go along and a number of representatives in the House. Those representatives are now being targeted. Liz Cheney, uh, who's the one I most PO'd with in the House, uh, she's been targeted in Wyoming, and rightfully so. But there are eight GOP senators who need to be targeted. Now, it requires 67 senators to remove a president. They only had seven defections. But in a matter of speaking, they really had eight. So let's go over them. Two of them, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania and Richard Burr of North Carolina, whom I did not expect at first, seem to be insulated. They're retiring, which makes you wonder. The people who are retiring and are insulated from being ousted, those are the ones you should be most displeased with because it means that all these years they've been masquerading as true Republicans. Given the fact that they intend to retire in 2022 and not run for re-election, they had nothing to fear and could vote their conscience. And obviously, this is quite revealing. These are who these people really were. Any of you people in Pennsylvania or North Carolina, where these two gentlemen are from, respectively, uh, feel that they represented your true Republican or conservative interests, you now know they did not. Because a blind man could see how threadbare 
and how calculated this impeachment was and how fraudulent it was. And the fact that these two men lent their name to a guilty verdict speaks very, very poorly about them. We must remember it in case they ever decide to make a comeback in private office or wherever they go. Moving right along, we have three other senators, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Susan Collins of Maine, and surprisingly, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Now, there's an easy explanation for why they voted that way. The first half of it, a two-part equation. The first half of it, because obviously they're not truly conservative. The second part? Well, all three of them were just reelected in 2020. So they have nothing to fear by doing that. But again, just as was the case with Pat Toomey and Richard Burr, uh, who were both planning on retiring in 2022, um, these three senators, having been just reelected this last year, 2020, they have six years before they have to run again. So they're not up again until 2026. Most people forget after six years If they were truly conservative and they truly understood all the good that President Trump had done and just how fraudulent these things were, they could have easily voted to save uh, President Trump and vote against uh, conviction uh, and knowing full well they'd be insulated. Mitch McConnell did just that. He was also reelected in 2020 and does not have to run again until 2026. But Mitch McConnell tried to have it both ways. He voted ultimately to acquit President Trump on the impeachment charges. And then he makes the following statement. January 6th was a disgrace. American citizens attacked their own government. They used terrorism to try to stop a specific piece of domestic business they did not like. Fellow Americans beat and bloodied our own police. They stormed the center floor. They tried to hunt down the Speaker of the House. They built a gallows and chatted about murdering the Vice President. They did this because they'd been fed wild falsehoods by the most powerful man on earth because he was angry. He lost an election. This is from Mitch McConnell. Well, I got news for you there, Mitch, a.k.a. the turtle. American citizens attack their own government. Their own government has attacked them. These draconian lockdowns that have been part of this COVID-19 non-pandemic is an attack by the government using an unbelievable, unprecedented amount of power against its own people. I don't know how many police were beaten and bloodied. One man died from complications of getting mace. Another one had a heart attack. I do know as I said many times on this broadcast, that a 14-year Air Force veteran by the name of Ashley Babbitt was executed by a Capitol Police officer, the same Capitol Police officer who supposedly stood by while Steve Scalise was gunned down at the softball game uh, a few years back. Everybody seems to forget that. And I don't know there's any truth that they built a gallows and they were going to murder the vice president or hang Nancy Pelosi although Nancy Pelosi needs to go, but I don't think anybody was going to hang her. This is uh, political posturing uh, at its worst. At its worst. And all this was allowed because an election was stolen, and it wasn't just President Trump saying it. 
Major conservative commentators have been saying it. Legislators in multiple states, state legislators in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan were convinced that there was hanky-panky going on and have taken steps to try and change things in terms of the election laws that were unlawfully changed in those states by Democrat executive action, not by legislative action as is required by the Constitution of those states and the United States. But not all is rosy in the world of the Democrats. One very prominent Democrat is about to get his comeuppance. Andrew Cuomo is finally getting a little taste of the heat that President Trump was forced to feel being criticized at every turn. Cuomo was trying to defend uh, his response, but the nursing home disclosures that have come to pass in recent days have tainted Cuomo's pandemic performance. This article here in the Times points out how Cuomo wrote a book on his managing of COVID-19 and now faces intensifying accusations that he covered up the true death toll of the pandemic on nursing home residents. And I saw what he said a few weeks ago when he said, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if they died in a nursing home or if they died in a hospital? They're dead. They're dead. Well, it makes a big difference. I had said this when this first came to light, uh, probably almost a month ago now. It makes a big difference. Whether they died in nursing homes or whether they died in a hospital after having been sent to the hospital from the nursing home is irrelevant. But what is relevant is if they got infected in the nursing home as a result of Cuomo sending COVID-19 infected patients to the nursing home, then that is relevant. Where they died is irrelevant. They're still nursing home deaths because they were infected in a nursing home as a result of COVID-19 being introduced into those nursing homes by Andrew Cuomo. That is an inescapable reality. State lawmakers have called for an investigation, stripping Cuomo of his emergency powers and even his resignation after new details emerged this week about why certain nursing home data was kept under wraps for months, despite requests from lawmakers and others. And why? Why? A top aide for the governor, Melissa DeRosa, told lawmakers the day data was delayed because the officials in the state of New York were worried that the information was going to be used against us by the Trump administration's Department of Justice. Used against you? You mean... In other words, they were going to hold you accountable for something you actually did, this failure of leadership. You're talking about the deaths of 15,000 people because of this. The Cuomo administration for months dramatically underreported the statewide number of COVID-19 deaths among long-term care residents. It is now nearly 15,000, up from the 8,500 previously reported. The new toll amounts to about one-seventh of the roughly 90,000 people living in nursing homes as of 2019 in New York, which has among the most, uh, which has among the most care home residents in the nation. Now, this is interesting. Why did they not want the Justice Department to know? Could it be that maybe an investigation would have been conducted and somebody would have been prosecuted? So they slow walked this data to protect the governor, hoping that Trump would lose the election, which they already knew because they knew they had it in the can for the reason they mentioned. Um, And 
knowing that the Biden administration would do nothing about it. And here they're quoting him in this article in the Epic Times that he dismissed criticism as political and noted that the thousands of nursing home residents' deaths in hospitals were always counted in the state's overall tally. Died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died, he said on January 29th. But I just gave you the reason for the fallacy of that. See, nobody in the news media, the mainstream media, calls Cuomo to task. He wants you to believe, we never lied about the tally. We told you how many people died. That's true. He did tell you how many people died. But by counting the deaths as hospital deaths, simply because they were infected and transferred to a hospital, is belying the true issue. These people never would have been sent to the hospital where they subsequently died because they never would have been infected in the first place if this strunz, Il Duce, Benito Cuomo, didn't stupidly send COVID-19 infected patients into a very vulnerable population, especially when President Trump had erected a 3,000-plus bed hospital in the Javits Center and sent him the hospital ship uh, comfort, both of which went went spectacularly unutilized because he didn't want to lose money. And it's always about the freaking money. Cuomo's defending himself left and right. Nursing homes have the most vulnerable populations. We know that. Well, if you knew that, why did you send them there? Trying to say there's no connection between the nursing home deaths and the emergency powers that he used? Cuomo, a Democrat, said that all deaths in nursing homes and hospitals were fully, publicly, and accurately reported. This is the big lie, folks, and I want you to understand it because nobody else is going to say that to you in the mainstream media. Certain talk radio hosts will say it in the conservative realm, and I'm saying it. The bottom line is Cuomo is responsible. I don't care whether they died in a nursing home or whether they died in a hospital after having been sent to that hospital from a nursing home. The fact of the matter is these people were all infected in a nursing home, and they were infected not because the staff brought it in as the governor is trying to uncredulously say, but because he sent COVID-19 patients there. And he's responsible for all those people dying. And instead of getting accolades from the media and getting book deals, he should be wearing a pair of bracelets and be hauled off on a perp walk like every other common thug, because that's what he is. But for those of you who think that life is about to go back to normal, simply because Pfizer and Moderna now have two highly effective vaccines for the COVID-19 virus. Think again. Things are not going to go back to normal. Do you think for one second these people are going to let things go back to where they were? The leftists used fear in order to gain compliance with unwarranted draconian lockdowns, and they are ecstatic over how readily people complied. And they have no intention of relinquishing the power they realize they now have over you. Instead, red states like Florida, pro-Trump states, they're all going to be targeted for travel restrictions and lockdowns in an effort to bring the economies in those states to their knees, down to the level of the sorry state of the economies in the blue states that have been so mismanaged in this non-pandemic. Look at Florida. Sleepy Joe Biden is already contemplating imposing travel restrictions on American citizens in the state of Florida. 
while simultaneously not giving a second thought to allowing illegal aliens to flood across the border in Texas and Arizona, people who may very well be COVID-19 positive and may have God knows what other uh, communicable diseases that we had heretofore uh, purged from our midst in this country, and they're bringing it all back. That's a fact. That's a fact that's going on here. And I saw this coming. I've been seeing government in the East, at least. Maybe the rest of you and the rest of the country haven't seen it. But I began seeing it under Mayor Bloomberg here in New York City when, as soon as heavy weather was predicted, all of a sudden we had these unprecedented uh, banning of driving in a snowstorm. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I first started driving, we had blizzards the, the likes of which this generation hasn't seen where nobody could move because it was that much snow. They never told you you were restricted from driving, but they did it. They did it in New York City under Bloomberg, and they did it under this idiot de Blasio. Why? Was it really making things that much safer? Or was it just part of the left's testing the waters to see how much they could get you to accept and swallow if they scared you enough? And let me tell you how draconian it got. In my own building in Manhattan, the superintendent had a friend that was coming to visit him. His friend only lived five blocks away. He wasn't driving. He was walking to the building. The police stopped him and told him he had to go back home. Why? Oh, because it's a lockdown. No, there's no lockdown. You just said we couldn't drive. No, no. Curfew. So now you can't walk in the snow? When I was a kid, we waited for snow. The more snow, the better. It meant no school and sleigh riding. Now it's a way to get everybody to be afraid. And it's, it's, it's really disconcerting to me that Americans, people of such great spirit, at least we've always been, have kowtowed and knuckled under to this. At this point is when I want to give my shout out and my great accolades to the indomitable spirit of the people of Australia whom I know listen to this show. A number of the downloads that I get are in Australia. I listen to your Australian news, your Sky News. I listen to the Paul Murrays and the Alan Jones. And I know that you people are attempting to push back against this globalist movement designed to turn us all into serfs, so to speak, reminiscent of the feudal system, which, thanks to our public education system here in the U.S., which is so intellectually and morally bankrupt, our children, the millennials and the Generation Zs, are blissfully unaware of because they have never taught it. They probably also haven't been taught how Hitler and his Waffen-SS were able to get Jews to walk into gas chambers because they were simply unaware of what was in store for them when they walked in there. They had no idea, those poor people, that they were never going to walk out again. The globalists are now attempting to march us into servitude, much in the same way, relying on the ignorance of the young and painting all of us old enough to know better as conservative extremists, white supremacists, and Trump cult followers. And we're neither. We're not white supremacists. We're not followers of a cult. We're patriots. We're patriots looking to keep our country intact, to preserve the freedoms 
that we all used to enjoy, to preserve the freedoms that made America great. Instead, we have leadership now which is bending over to China, opening our borders, letting floodgates in, and look how targeted they are doing it. Look at the targeted way they are doing it. Texas, one of the biggest states in the Union, with the greatest number of uh, border miles flooding over in the border from third world countries, Central American countries, and Mexico. Why? Because they're hoping those people take up residence in Texas. Why? Because they want to give them all the right to vote. Why? So they can flip Texas. And if Texas and its 38 electoral votes goes permanently blue, it's over. We'll never win a presidential election again. And this country will be on an irreversible course to socialism. The time to push back has long since passed. Don't be intimidated. And don't be convinced that this is all a mistake. And that you didn't see what you saw. That the election wasn't stolen. Still, it's heartening to see some people fighting amongst themselves. De Blasio, the mayor of the city of New York, and El Duce, the governor of New York, are known rivals. They can't stand each other. And now it's interesting to see de Blasio calling for a full accounting of Governor Cuomo's alleged nursing home death cover-up. He wants full information. Full information. This aforementioned Melissa DeRosa, Cuomo's chief of staff, told a small group of Democratic lawmakers, Democratic lawmakers, that the governor's office basically froze when they were asked by the U.S. Department of Justice to turn in the nursing home data because they worried that then President Trump would use the information as a giant political football against him. All of a sudden, President Trump starts tweeting that we killed everyone in nursing homes. She said during this private call, according to the New York Post, Trump started going after New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, starts going after California Governor Gavin Newsom. Well, that isn't isn't exactly an unfounded accusation. The people of California are about to recall Governor Newsom. And he also started going after Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And what was so wrong with that? Did I not report to you on this podcast months ago that at one point, almost 40% of all the deaths from COVID-19 in this country took place in nursing homes in five states, the five I just mentioned, California, New Jersey, New York, uh, Michigan, and one I didn't mention, Pennsylvania. So this was perfectly justified. So now they're going after each other, Cuomo and de Blasio. Let them chew each other up. What we need to do is get our act together. We need now to watch what Trump's next move is going to be. Is he going to try and shore up the Republican Party and clean it up? Or is he going to start a third party? Whichever he does, we here at National Preview Online fully intend to support him in his efforts. And I'm willing to wager that the vast majority of the 74 or 75 million people that voted for President Trump are willing to support him in his efforts as well. That's what this whole impeachment thing was all about. To paint us all as white extremists and criminals. Make no mistake about that. Don't be fooled. And now they're contemplating using some 
14th Amendment premise to use a simple majority vote in the Senate to forbid President Trump from ever holding political office again. Now, they probably can't prevent him from holding state offices, but they think they can prevent him from holding federal offices. We have to push back against that. You have to write your senators. You have to threaten your senators that you're going to expel them, maybe recall them, vote against them, lead a movement against them if they don't support the man who supported all of us. As I said, what was the big crime that Trump committed? The fact that he didn't get us into any wars? The fact that he raised the economy to heights it's never seen before? The fact that unemployment is at an all-time low? The fact that minority unemployment, African-American unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, female unemployment were at the lowest level they've ever been since they began being measured? This was the stuff that we had to worry about? Please. Please. All they did was weaponize a constitutional procedure, impeachment, and try to turn it into a political weapon to be used against the president that they didn't like. But we liked him. And much of the American public liked him. And I do believe, and I've said it before, that there are people in this country that are investigating this and that this thing is not going away. And eventually it's going to come out that this election was stolen. The only thing I pray is that by the time we discover it, that things haven't been too eroded that it's beyond rescue, that the midterm elections of 2022 are not beyond our ability to win because the deck has been stacked. Now, we're not going to have these problems in red states. We're not going to have these problems in Florida. But we need to take back these seats. We need to take back the House and bring the Biden administration to a screeching halt. That's what we have to do. And remember those names. Share them with your friends. Share them with your family. Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, ostensibly retiring in 2022. Keep an eye on him. Make sure he does. Richard Burr of North Carolina, ostensibly retiring in 2022. Keep an eye on him. Make sure he does. Mitt Romney of Utah, re-elected in 20, or elected, I should say, in 2018. Not up again until 2024. Remember it. Bill, uh, ben Sass of Nebraska, Susan Collins of Maine, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, all safe and sound until 2026, remember them. But there is one person who's not safe and sound, one person who's going to be up in 2022 in the midterm elections, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. She's always been a thorn in the side of the Republican Party. And I now make a public appeal to former Alaskan Governor Sarah Palin to run against this reprobate that purports to be a senator from Alaska, Lisa Murkowski, unseat her, and bring the government back to the people. People who are unwilling to fight, unwilling to fight for their freedom, unwilling to fight for their liberty, unwilling to fight for their children's heritage, don't deserve it. Thomas Jefferson once, family, uh, once famously said that the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. He was referring to war and revolution. He thought that revolutions were very necessary 
and needed to happen on a regular basis. We like to think of ourselves as more enlightened in the 21st century and trying to avoid those conflicts. But when you see a system so corrupted as the one that we currently face is, we're left with little choice. So let me give you something a little more current. Of course, to you millennials, it may seem not too current. Thomas Jefferson, you probably feel like, is ancient history since it happened in the 1700s when he made that statement. But there was another man in the 20th century, a very pivotal figure, one of the greatest generals of World War II, one of the greatest generals this country ever produced. Douglas MacArthur, five-star general of the Army, a rank accorded to only a handful of others, General Marshall and General Eisenhower among them, who said, No man is entitled to the blessings of liberty lest he be vigilant in its preservation. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.